If I could buy you anything I wanted this Christmas I would get the Academy to give you an Oscar for your script Even though you haven't built a single set I know it's my favourite movie Christmas. I'm Michael Moore, and this is Rumble. Uh, we opened here with a song called uh, Space Christmas by a, a British group, Allo Darling. I just wanted to start with something <laughs> a little happy. I know it's the cliche now to say that this has been the worst year ever. It, it, it probably it, it is. It's an awful year, but uh, we forget other past years, either in our own lives or those who came before us had pretty, pretty godforsaken years. But I just wanted to start out that way here on my my Christmas episode of Rumble, and uh, and of course it'll all go down, downhill from here. But um, but 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 please know that in, in, in what I'm going to do here tonight, I'm just going to play DJ. I'm going to play you, you know, just a few songs, uh, what I consider Christmas songs. They they maybe weren't intended that way, but I, I guess a couple of them are, and say a few words to you. And to uh, maybe just express into this microphone how good it feels to be alive, how lucky it feels to be alive, and to bring some form of good cheer to all of you 
who have had your own degrees of difficulties this year, getting through 2020, getting through the pandemic, getting through uh, just if you're living in the United States, uh, living under the under the rule of Trump and all the harm that has caused the millions and millions more that are now in poverty, uh, homelessness, et cetera, et cetera. So um, some of you have uh, lived through this, but you lost your job and the job isn't coming back. So, so, so many, so many reasons to talk about this, but also I think a lot of us maybe have gotten through this by trying to focus as much as we can, at least once or twice a day on how much love there is in this world how much love there is in our lives, how we are lucky to have some of the family members that we have. <laughs> in my case, all of the family members. I know that's not true for everybody. I, I drew a lucky card, but um, I am extremely grateful uh, for that. Um, and um, that I get to do what I want to do, pretty much, that I can look forward to this coming year or two in the hopes that we can make a better world, a better country, all that stuff. So um, so on a personal level, on a public level, uh, there are many reasons uh, to call this a happy Christmas. I, I, I want to play some, some so-called, what I call Christmas music, of songs that you maybe haven't heard, even though you may have heard of some of the artists. Uh, but I think probably there's only one song here that maybe everyone has heard. But uh, and again, I, I promise you, it's, it's only, uh, it's, what am I going to play here? Four songs? Yeah. So, um, but so let, thanks for letting me be your Christmas DJ. If you're listening to this, uh, I'm, I'm recording this later on Christmas Eve, uh, going into Christmas Day here. So, um, uh, but th- this will sound good even the day after Christmas. Uh, so, uh, I hope you're listening. I thank you for listening. And, um, I want to, um, geez, just before I, I turn the microphone on here, I got an email from one of my best friends first met in our senior year in high school back at this, um, high school called Davison, Davison high school inside of Flint. Um, but I was so moved by this, uh, it's just a small little example of how we feel, the life we go through, what happens to us. Um, he lost his son a number of years ago. Uh, son was an adult, actually. Uh, was probably around 30 years old. Uh, he was autistic, and um, uh, the autism it's essentially led to, led to his passing. And uh, it's, I think um, he's had a difficult time you know, getting through that. And I, of course, have been his friend and I loved his son. His son was a genius. It was a musical genius uh, in, in the way that those of us who aren't autistic uh, in some days wish that we were in a sense that we, our brain was just free to go and not restrained, restricted by the society in which we live. But um, uh, So I'm just going to read this uh, to you right now. This uh, email I got just a few minutes ago. Mike, Christmas Eve was always the best time ever by a mile. Until my mom didn't have them anymore with the, you know, extended family. And after my grandparents got old, then it was still good though. It was still good with my kids later on. And it was always good to be back home in our hometown. But one thing that troubled me, even when I was a little child, was the idea that one child should be sacred, worshipped, worshipped as opposed to every single child being worshipped and sacred. 
As a kid, I thought, you know, it's kind of sad that just one child gets to be king or queen or prince or princess or a Jesus, and everybody else, all the other kids, are just something else. It never seemed right. Then when my son, who was a beautiful little masterpiece, a mystery, a miracle, but different, different so that the world did not love him as they loved the other normal children. You always, though, Mike, treated him as special, as that miracle, and I appreciate that. Tonight is a hard night where all the losses are mixed in with not being able to be there, and so many years of not being there for various reasons. The center cannot hold. Things fall apart. Yet the center is holding, though, for a while longer. I miss being able to be back in our hometown, of being able to stop by and see you and your dad and mom at your house. <laughs> so let's agree on this. Let's do something crazy soon and make our own memories. There's time yet still for new traditions. We are not grounded unless we think we are. That's just so beautiful. Yes, it's life is great and life is hard. Life is full of unbelievable moments. And there's a curveball being thrown at our head, it seems, every single year. It's all of that. And I know those of you who are listening to this night, some of you, many of you, are having it. It's more rough right now than it, than it maybe has ever been. And um, I want you just to know that while I cannot experience that personal pain, I feel it. You are not alone. I've been through that. We've all been through it on some level. We are all in this together. And if, if we can take just some solace in this moment, in this night, tomorrow, the day, the next day, this week, New Year's, I don't know why, but I always believe it's going to get better. Probably because a lot of the times it does. I want to play, I think this is my favorite Christmas song. It comes from a Vincent Minnelli film called Meet Me in St. Louis. And uh, so you, some of you know where I'm going with this. Uh, it's, it's called Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, and it's sung by the great Judy Garland. She's singing it to her little sister because she's sad that they have to move, they have to leave St. Louis. And um, they don't want to leave. And they know life has been hard, but maybe it'll be better next year. And it's just such a lovely, I just, I often will play this during the year just to cheer myself up and remind myself that, that it, it will not necessarily stay like this. So please um, just sit back and listen once again to this incredible song. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Next year all our troubles will be out of sight. Have yourself a merry little Christmas 
so powerful isn't it yeah i was actually i remember thinking while listening to it just now i was going to use this song in my very first movie roger and me but the collapse of flint and the abandonment of the city by general motors and and the greed of the company as it made record profits and threw everybody out of work and um it was you know i had never made a film before so that was difficult enough trying to make a film but but making it uh, and during this time where so many people were suffering and it's um, it reminded me of the, actually the last scene that we filmed was um, on Christmas Eve in 1988, Christmas Eve in the day, the eve, the eve of Christmas Eve, the day before that it's um, I had heard this over the years that the sheriff's department actually evicted people on Christmas Eve, sometimes on Christmas day. I couldn't believe it. But I called up and the sheriff and he said, yeah, this, unfortunately we are forced to do this. And he was a good sheriff. He was a good guy, but he just, uh, he said he was forced. He didn't want to do it. They ordered him, you know, follow orders. And he said, I have four deputies that go out and do these evictions um, on Christmas, Christmas Eve and Christmas. And um, I said, uh, well, would it be okay if I just went with one of them? He says, yeah, why don't I'll give you, I'll just give you, you can just pick which of these four names. And so I picked uh, this, uh, this deputy sheriff. His first name was Fred. And um, so two days later, it's Christmas Eve, and we're, we're going with him on a series of evictions that he's doing on this day. Oh, people are so sad. He's taking the Christmas trees out, putting them on the curb, the Christmas presents for the kids. They take them out of the house and they throw them out on the curb. Not throw them, but they were placing them on the curb. The kids are crying and just screaming and just the parents are screaming and it's just just awful. And there's this one scene. He's um, knocking on the door and it's Christmas and he's, the woman starts screaming at him, motherfucker, this and all that. And uh, kids are crying. And we're standing there. We're Here we are. We're filming this. 
It's so humiliating. Obviously, to them, being filmed, we're humiliated that we're even, why are we doing this? Well, we're doing it to show a larger audience about the cruelty of this economic system we have that's unfair and it's unjust and it's not democratic. And so that's why we're here. And we convinced ourselves of this until we couldn't convince ourselves of it anymore. And I just walked over and I said, I talked to the crew and I said, do you have any, who's got money on them? And, um, um, I was on unemployment myself at the time. And, um, I said that I went over the sheriff and deputy sheriff and I said, how much, what is she behind in her rent here? And you remember, though, this is 1988. And he says, oh, it's just, it was just, it's a couple hundred dollars. I said, oh, we got that. Do we, guys, do it? Yeah. We have that, right? You know, yes, yes. We all pulled, we pulled out of our pockets and whatever we had. Here, take the $200. Don't evict her. Put the tree back. Put the presents back. This is awful. This is not right. And he looks at me and he says, I'm going to give you about three seconds to take that money back and put it in your pocket because you are essentially bribing a sheriff's deputy to not do his job and I'm going to have to put handcuffs on you. (sighs) Okay, well, that didn't scare me, but I knew that I had a choice then to where would I be able to show you, the public, the cruelty of this moment or would it be lost because I'd be in handcuffs, they might take my camera, the film, whatever. I put the money in my pocket and put it back. We kept filming and we were so sad afterwards and he left, we sat in the crew van and I, every one of us was crying. I, you know, to kind of, I don't know what I was thinking, maybe I just wanted us not to think about this anymore and cheer everybody up. I said, why don't we, why don't we just get, turn the car on here? Let's, it's, we're getting cold. It's winter. Let's um, let's go down to Detroit. Let's try one more run at General Motors headquarters to see if the chairman, Roger Smith, will talk to me. Well, they won't be open. It's the day before Christmas or whatever. Well, we don't know that. You know, somebody will be there. Let's see. Let's just, let's just go. I don't want to think about this anymore. We just filmed what we just witnessed. So, so we drove to Detroit. We got there in an hour. We pull up to GM headquarters. And um, there's a whole bunch of TV vans. We get out and say, what's going on? Oh, it's the annual message by the chairman of General Motors. He gives an annual message every year, Christmas message. Can we walk in with you? Like, you know, we're part of the, oh yeah, yeah, come on, just come on. You know, these. <laughs> so we got into a lot of things back then. So we got our equipment and we looked like we were legit. And we walked in with uh, WXYZ Channel 7 there in Detroit. And um we went and set up with the, in the press pool area. They were handing out, the PR people were handing out Roger Smith, the chairman's Christmas address, printed out. And, you know, I only had like one roll of film left. We, we, we used 16 millimeter film back then. It's like $400 for the roll. And then to develop that roll, it cost close to $400. And um, so it's a lot. And it's just for 10 minutes of film. I said, okay, I said to the cameraman, I said, well, Bruce, listen, listen, so how is this? How we're, I want to mark off. Okay, I'm reading along, I'm reading. Oh my God, he's quoting Dickens. Oh my God. Okay, you make sure you film these three paragraphs, okay? And a little bit of the choir singing. And, the, and then save one minute. Give me one minute because I am going to try uh, to um, nonviolently accost him when his speech is over. 
I'm going to try to get on that stage, talk to him, get him to come to Flint. I don't know what. And so Bruce he followed right along and just just um, um, filmed the three paragraphs. S- uh, Smith was done with the speech. Bruce took the camera off the tripod, came down off the, the platform that the press was on and was right behind me. And we made a run right at Smith. And I, and I hate, I'm sorry if you haven't seen the film, I don't want to give it away, but he, you know, finally I get to him and, uh, and I get to ask him the question about, will you come to Flint and meet the people that you've thrown out of work? And he tells me, uh, and he has to tell me three times because I keep asking him three times that no, I will not come to Flint and something about those people. We went back, we drove back to Flint and we, um, it's pretty quiet. We got back there and I said, well, we have a short end. It's a short end is like when you don't have a whole roll of film, but we had another, a real, you know, with a few minutes of a film on it. I said, let's just get a couple shots of the factory they're tearing down here. It's, it's almost, uh, you know, getting near late afternoon, end of the day. So we grabbed a few shots and all of a sudden a whole bunch of uh, police cars, ambulances started whizzing by us. We're there on South Sycano Street, if you know Flint at all. And so we're, I said, wow, let's go follow this. Let's see, let's see, it's Christmas Eve, what's going on here? So we follow them about a mile down the road. They make a turn there, I think on Hemphill Road. And we go down to Hemphill and Fenton Road and pull into the parking lot of uh, the Little Caesars restaurant. It's not a takeout place at that time. Little Caesars is a Michigan pizza thing, but they had restaurants back then. And they were just in Michigan, that, uh, and so there we. There's all these cops, everything, and we get out. I'm in the parking lot of the restaurant. There are loud little loudspeakers that are playing Christmas carols, and we wish you a merry Christmas. We wish you, but music version, okay, not as good as I just did. <laughs> and um, we come upon the scene that why all these cop cars are there. The um, administrative executive people at Buick, or one of the divisions of Buick, Buick's home headquarters was in Flint, um, were having their little Christmas end of the day thing here before going home for Christmas. They were having like a little party, a little get together. And apparently, one of the vice presidents of Buick came into the party pulled out a 357 Magnum and, and blew the head off his girlfriend <laughs> right there in front of everybody. Then he runs out into the parking lot where we are and where we now see he must have had some kind of sheet or something over him. I can't, my, my brain is, I, I blocked a lot of this out. He ran out into the parking lot, put the gun in his mouth and blew his head off. And that goddamn music was still being piped out, out loud over those speakers outside. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. <laughs> and we're filming this, and um, and we were in the edit room a year or two later, and I made the decision not to put that in the film. I didn't want the film to end there. <sighs> People have seen, for the last 90 minutes, they've seen enough horror in Flint, Michigan. They don't need this too. We don't need to pile on. So we'll just close on, um, on a shot of that factory 
being torn down. And I think the last line in my narration is, um, a new century was coming, a better day was ahead. And then the music, Pat Boone, comes on singing, I'm proud to be an American. Um, that day and all the days that we spent making that first film had a tremendous impact on all of us. Not just in our the filmmaking that we did in the decades after that, but in our thinking, I think it affected us personally. I think it affected a lot of the decisions that, in a good way, that we decided how we all decided to maybe spend our lives and and uh, do the things that we do and did. And I, um, <laughs> I think sometimes, why do we continue? fighting this good fight. It doesn't feel like a good fight, does it? It feels like an awful, bad fight. Um, and yet, and yet it doesn't get better unless we do it, unless we stand up, unless we stay involved. Just one more scene after another, like the one I just described, if we remain silent. What Martin Luther King, you know, once said about there, it's the worst form of complicity. Silence. Hmm. God, it, was just, it just hit me too. That, that whole day I just described, they're going to the GM headquarters, the ev eviction of that family, the murder-suicide at the Buick Christmas party. Um, the day began with me finding out that um, from my mom that her brother, my uncle, had been found dead. He died during the night, just, you know, of old age. He was alone. He lived alone. I think, I think a, a friend or whatever found him on the floor there. This uncle, he was such a great guy. My Uncle Bill on my mom's side. He was an author. Uh, he, he wrote jokes for um, various uh, – he'd send them in to TV shows, and, and he'd get 50 bucks – if they used one of his jokes on the Flip Wilson show. <laughs> he was uh, an incredible musician. He taught me how to play the clarinet. He, in the, in the 40s, 30s and 40s, played with the big bands, toured with them. Uh, he was a very creative soul, and I had to begin that day in 1988, there the day two there before Christmas, um, being told that we'd lost him. Wow. So, okay, that every day is not like that, but I'm just saying we all we all have it hard and we all have it good too. Um this I want let me just I want to I don't want to talk about this that day anymore right now. Let me play the song by uh, Jackson Brown. Um I think he does the song with the Irish group The Chieftains and um Oh, I love this. Listen to the lyrics of this song. It's called The Rebel Jesus. Oh, the streets are filled with laughter and light And the music of the season And the merchant's windows are all bright With the faces of the children And the families hurrying to their homes as the sky darkens and freezes 
We'll be gathering around their hearts and tables Giving thanks for God's graces And the birth of the rebel Jesus Oh, they call him by the Prince of Peace And they call him by the Savior And they pray to him upon the seas And in every bold endeavor And they fill his churches with their pride and gold As their faith in him increases But they've turned the nature that I worship him From a temple to a robber's den In the words of the rebel Jesus Jesus by Jackson Brown and the Chieftains. I didn't want to go on too long here. Everybody's busy with 
Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And, um, and <laughs> clearly I am not because I am in my own lockdown by myself. And, uh, and so, um, don't feel bad for me here. Yes, it's, I'm having Christmas alone. Um, but, um, a, a, a friend ordered, got me a, um, a, a, a takeout dinner from Whole Foods, orange chicken, the Asian dish, orange chicken. Um, so I'm, I'm going to eat that right after we finish. And I'm going to call it Christmas dinner and I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm going to think about all the things I haven't talked to you about here on this episode, which are, which is really the gratitude that I have that I'm filled with for the life that I've been able to have in spite of whatever downs have taken place. Um, there's been just enough ups uh, to keep me uh, wanting uh, to do what I do, uh, to wake up and be grateful I'm alive every day and and see what it is that I can do on this given day to just make things a, a bit better. And we can all do that. We can all can all find that moment. Sometimes, sometimes it's just something that makes you smile. The, if we all smiled more, it, it would just feel better. Or I'll find myself just wanting to watch an old comedy just to start laughing and because laughter feels good. <laughs> Maybe it's contacting an old friend that I haven't talked to in a while. Maybe it's contacting an old friend that was no longer a friend. There's no reason we shouldn't be friends. Maybe there's a way. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe. It's worth it, isn't it? I started writing some notes to people. <laughs> I wrote a poem. And then I thought, oh, I should send, I should see, see if I have any more poems of me tonight after the orange chicken. And I'll send those to the people I love. Look, we all float our boat, right? In any way that we can, in, in whatever good ways that we can. I think it's easier, maybe, at least it is for me to accept that uh, life isn't always easy. <laughs> but just acknowledging that makes it easier, if that makes any sense whatsoever. I'm so, I just so amazed by the generosity and the goodness in people, the willingness of, of people to give to others, to put themselves sometimes in danger to help others, protect others. Anybody who's working in any COVID ward, any EMT ambulance people picking up people with COVID are risking their lives. Wow. If you're one of those people who've done something to risk your life, to save others during this time, I want you to know, and I promise you this, you will not be forgotten, and I will scream to the high heavens if you are not taken care of. All of us, everybody, right? Can everybody just let out a big woot woot on this one and let these healthcare workers and others, and not just the healthcare workers too, everybody who stocked those grocery store shelves, anybody who's delivered you or me something that we needed at our house, Every one of them, God bless you. God love you. We love you. You're not paid enough. We will fight for you. These are not hollow words. If anybody listening, anybody, if you know me and those few of you, few who let this happen after you knew the danger, after you privately called it a plague, acknowledged it was airborne and that many, many people are going to die and then did nothing, actually did worse than nothing, went out and told people that it didn't exist. It's a hoax. Don't wear a mask. You 
killed people. And if you think I'm going to forget that, or the hundreds of thousands listening to me right now are going to forget that, you've got another thing coming, buddy. Wow, I just, I told myself right now, I just, stop right there, Mike. Don't, just, don't, just stop right there. <laughs> oh, boy, am I mad. But I'm filled, I'm filled with a lot of realistic hope here. Not the kind of hope the TV gives me. The TV told us over two weeks ago when the when they first announced the Pfizer thing was going to come through and they were going to start shipping the vaccine, they said that 20 million Americans would be vaccinated by New Year's Eve. As of tonight, as of today here, Christmas, one week away from New Year's, uh, we have vaccinated, we've done the first dose of 1 million Americans, 330 million Americans, 1 million have it. Uh, we will not get to 20 million by next week. And they've acknowledged today that they were kind of like uh, a little too hap, hap, happy about this vaccine. Mm -hmm. So many lies we've been told about this. So much pressure from Trump to get um, the vaccine out there before the election, rushing them, rushing them, rushing them to help him win re-election. So, yes, there's reason for optimism and there is reason for hope. And it's quite possible that we will contain this virus in this coming year in 2021. But we're going to have to make some of this happen, folks. We're going to have to start banging on some pots and pans and raising our voices and demanding of these legislators, do your friggin' job. Get this done. Um, geez, I don't want to leave you on such, a, such an angry note, but that's okay, right? This is not really a real Christmas. This is... This is Maybe we finally have Festivus, Festivus for the rest of us, right? Quoting the old Seinfeld episode, but, but, um, yeah, let's make this something for all of us that we do for each of us. Please be safe this week, please. It's not worth dying. Well, you know, at least Bob got to go to that New Year's Eve party. We're sorry he's not here any longer, but. That was a great friggin' party. <laughs> that eulogy isn't going to sound good. Don't do it. Everybody stay safe. Everybody be well. Love the one you're with. And if you're not with anybody, there's like over 7 billion people on this planet, man. Come on. Something's going to happen this year. You got to believe that. You know he's out there. You know she's out there. Come on. It's going to happen. You're going to be okay. And and the time you've spent alone this year, you know, not too shabby, is it? Have a little quiet time in your life. Think about what you want to be doing. So, um, as I've said before, <laughs> one thing I've learned this year is that I would do really, really well under house arrest. So, um, never going to be afraid of that again. Um, I don't know if I like the ankle bracelet so much, but uh, uh, I'll get through it. I'll get through it. Listen, everybody, um, thank you for um, sharing this uh, bit of Christmas with me. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close out here, and I'm going to play an, uh, an entire song here by Neil Young. It's not a religious song, but it's, boy, it's the acknowledgement of the world we live in right now and what we're living through in terms of our freedoms and our all the 
all the hatred and the racism and everything, but yet all the, the beauty of life and, and why we, why shouldn't all of us be entitled to that? So, um, thank you. Merry Christmas. Thanks to my executive producer, Basil Hamden, their editor, uh, and uh, sound engineer, uh, extraordinaire, Nick Quaz, and all the people who have helped me with this podcast and to all of you who've been with me and listened to this, uh, all 140, what are we at? 148 episodes of Rumble. I'll talk to you soon in the next uh, few days. And, um, and the song that we'll close on by Neil Young is called When God Made Me. This is Rumble. This is Christmas. And this is Michael Moore. Merry Christmas, everyone. Take care. Was he thinking about my country? Yeah.